Alrighty, we're back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, and it's episode number 509. Hope everybody's doing well. Abriana, how are you? I am good. Just uh, enjoying some warmer weather here. Uh, lots of pollen. So again, I finally went out and uh, got a run in yesterday, and it was just beautiful. So I'm thankful for, I don't know, I'm feeling like I don't know. I feel like I've been like inside for just months, you know, so it's a, uh, it's nice to get out, but how about you? How's it going? Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. Uh, things are good. Business is good. Uh, the weather up here is, has been fantastic for the last week. We're in the sort of mid sixties, uh, today. Uh, and it's just been sunny and blue skies and, you know, been outside for like a lot lately so it's just nice to, yeah, I'm with you. It's nice to be outside and, and kind of just be able to, Get some fresh air um so that's been good and I'll, what we're a week i guess away from the start of uh baseball season so that's exciting um and uh yeah you know all is well spring is here spring is here so yeah we've got a good show for you this week uh four stories as usual and uh some money raised uh some new patents out there that we're going to talk about uh this week and i'll let abriana kick us off yeah so you know in a time that we've been talking a lot about uh let's see location data companies consolidating and having hardships or being called out uh now we're talking about some fundraising so safegraph has raised 45 million uh, this round was led by Sapphire Ventures, and you know they're really planning to use this, uh, you know, to expand their international market of the the data buyers and, and new ways for companies to buy data through their network. Um, you know, they've they've had this places data that's been for U.S. and Canada um, with over 6.4 million physical locations or places that they're kind of tracking and monitoring, and now they're going to. Um, well, they plan a launch in the UK for April. So just a, you know, a couple of weeks away here. You know, we've heard a lot about uh, about them from the early days with their CEO being Aaron Hoffman coming from, uh, you know, I think LiveRamp previously and, you know, starting SafeGraph and just, uh, you know, kind of taking off and, and, you know, some pivots along the way. But uh, you know, they're, they're talking about their location information is using not just, you know, GPS level data, but also spatial hierarchy metadata and places traffic data from lots of different resources. Um, you know, it's also interesting because the article talks about how the location data market uh, or location intelligence market is expected to reach 32.8 billion by 2027. That was a grand view research uh, stat there. And I wonder if that stat like is taking into consideration all that's changing with legislation, with privacy, with opt-outs, with technology, all those different things. But, you know, we've seen some of the SafeGraph competitors, you know, AirSage, Factual, Cubic, um, you know, Cubic recently saying that they're getting rid of their SDK now and, and changing things up. Um, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of changes there. And like some recent news that we heard about SafeGraph was even with, um, along with another location data company, Physical, the New York Times were able to actually use their data set to track uh, the movements of our former president here during the 2017 uh, inauguration, which was very interesting. Um, and then we had uh, Homeland Security and IRS announcing that they were going to audit their own use of location data 
um, you know, after there was some revelations that they were purchasing this type of cell phone location data from all these different commercial sources. So there's like a lot going on. And, and to see this uh, level of fundraising come out and this time is, is interesting to me. Um, you know, some other some other participants in the round were Ridge Ventures, Alex Rawson, uh, DNX Ventures, and Peter Thiel. So they've raised a total of 60 million. So they had 16 million that they raised in Series A back in 2017. Um, and now, you know, four years later, here we are with another 45. I, I mean, I don't know, like this to me just makes me say, hmm, like what's going on here? How, how viable is this location data going to be as we see more and more dwindle down, um, you know, with the announcements from obviously Google that's been uh, happening recently, but Apple that's happened a while ago. So I don't know. It's, it's a very interesting announcement to me. It's more than just like, hey, there's fundraising happening, but it's uh, it's kind of a mixture of like head scratching and hope. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I mean, first of all, congratulations to, to Oren and the team over there. Uh, this is this is a big, uh, a big announcement, a big, uh, a big move for the industry. Um, yeah, I was I have to say I was a little bit surprised given the sort of the current climate uh, around all the changes going on in the industry and, and the sort of pull back on the privacy side, you know, Apple's move coming shortly with the IDFA and, and Google and all of that that we've talked about a lot on the show in the last, you know, couple of months. Uh, so I was, yes, I, I was a little bit surprised, especially, you know, sort of the controversy going on in the, uh, in the news and the New York Times pieces and the Wall Street Journal pieces and X mode getting hammered and, you know, whatnot. So, uh, yeah, so a little surprised, but at the same time, I think, um, you know, whenever there's uh, challenges in an industry or a pandemic, you know, uh, is upon us, I mean, I think it does create an opportunity for innovation, for uh, investment, uh, you know, so I, you know, everybody knows, like, if you look back at sort of the, the Great Depression and so on, you know, some of the biggest companies, you know, that we know today were born in that time, right, you know, where uh, smart investors saw opportunity uh, in that. And, and I think, you know, you can argue that's a little bit about what's happening here in this industry is there, there are companies in the location ecosystem that are going to fail or go under right now. Uh, so I think there's a lot of um, opportunity. And I think, you know, $45 million is not just here about, um, you know, growing their current offering and expanding it to new markets like the UK. I think it does create uh, opportunity to go and do some some small acquisitions, consolidation, you know, within the industry, you know, uh, acquire some IP and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is um, interesting. And I think, you know, I, even with our own platform here at ground level, uh, you know, we, uh, one of our, our, our investment funds uh, that, uh, that that's, uh, that's backing us reached out to, to me yesterday, having, having seen this story and said, um, this is, this is good validation for the work you guys are doing at ground level. Um, you know, that $45 million is coming into this and, uh, maybe there's an opportunity to go and, and raise more, um, you know, as a sort of, you know, on the back, on the backing of this announcement. And I was like, that's one way to think about it, right? That's one way to look at it is that, you know, um, you know, the, the, there's, um, a follow along opportunity, I think for others in the industry. So, yeah, so we'll see. I, you know, and I think that you know the fact that Peter Thiel is part of this uh, money is is interesting. You know, for those who haven't 
heard of him or don't know him. You know, he's the founder of PayPal um, and a number of other well-known um, startups out there. And uh, so, you know, I, I think, I, I don't know whether or not he'll play, you know, a role in this or, you know, the PayPal uh, connections can play a role into this. But I, I firmly believe that for our industry to move forward, it means uh, that we need to start thinking beyond just pure location data and looking for data synergies. And to me, that means bringing POS data, transaction data, other things into the mix and, and combining those data sets together to have, you know, sort of a, a whole new set of insights. Um, and so maybe there's something there too, but I'll leave it at that. All right. Okay. On to our, uh, our second story for this week. So, uh, a little startup uh, that I came across uh, a few weeks ago uh, out of Milwaukee um, is called uh, B Linkup. Uh, I think is how you say it. Uh, just small B, capital L, Linkup, one word. Uh, it's an app that is uh, location-based. They sort of uh, compare it to friends nearby or Uber in terms of its its functionality. Uh, to be able to see contacts on the platform who, who are nearby you. But what I really thought was interesting about it um, was this COVID piece that they've kind of built into it. So uh, you can find restaurants and find people nearby and it's kind of like, you know, a social meetup type of uh, get together around events or gatherings or, or things that are happening as we come out of this pandemic. But one of the interesting things that I've, I found interesting anyways about it is that uh, there's also a, a COVID ratings piece um, that's part of this. So uh, essentially, you know, if you go to a restaurant, you can give it a rating uh, or zero to five stars on how safe you felt in terms of the COVID precautions that this particular business has taken. So if you think about something like uh, Yelp or those types of platforms um, that have ratings and reviews on the food or the ambiance or the serving staff or whatever else, you know, think about now adding in a COVID safety rating uh, to that. And, I, you know, I, I think it's inter interesting. It's definitely something that I could see, you know, having getting some some traction at a local level in, say, in the Milwaukee area. I have a hard time thinking that this is a platform that can survive, you know, sort of, you know, wider than that, uh, because at the end of the day, it's a feature um, you know, of, of a bigger platform. There's nothing stopping Yelp from going out and adding COVID ratings to what they do or Google, uh, for, for that matter. Um, so, um, that's the struggle I have with, with, with something like this, but I think it's cool that they've thought of it. I think it's cool that they're kind of, you know, trying to build something local, um, to help people get out and about and moving and doing things again in their community. Um, so I applaud that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, it seems like this should already be incorporated in Yelp or something similar. Um, and it is just a feature. So it's not something that's like patented or, you know, anything that's really, um, you know, a special way of reporting or recording. And so uh, I like that they thought of it. But again, like it's not necessarily something that is, you know, unique or proprietary to them and somebody who has come along and implement that really quickly. Um, and I do like the idea of understanding like how good you feel in a restaurant. I think especially here, you know, I think that depending on where you are in the country or in, you know, in the world, there's, uh, there's a certain level of care that's taken. And so like being here in the Southeast, it's very easy to see that it's, you know, 
when you get to more of the center city of Atlanta, uh, you know, you're going to have like a lot more precautions that are taken. And then as you get towards the outskirts, people are just like less, uh, you know, less excited to participate in uh, taking care of, you know, themselves or um, participating in certain things like mask wearing or, you know, temperature taking or anything like that. But I like it. I think this is good. It's helpful for people who want to go somewhere and want to make sure that they're feeling comfortable while they're there you know, encouraging people to get back out and support these businesses that really need uh, patrons to stay, you know, alive. It almost makes me think though, like, you know, cause there's sometimes where I go and I'm like, oh, they're not even like wearing their mask, right? Or what, you know? And I'm like, is that a camp? Is that like a cancel culture thing though? Where I'm like, oh, cancel that. <laughs> <laughs> um, or is it just like, come on, just participate. Um, but anyways, I think that it's a smart, you know, smart thought there. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right, so big shout out to our friends over at Reveal Mobile. Um, they have received or been awarded a US patent, which is actually pretty cool. I'm kind of excited about this one. Um, so kudos to you, Brian and team. So they've been awarded this patent that enables companies to embed a, what they're calling a camouflaged and customized or synthetic um, data events and data points. So it's like, this synthetic tag in essence that can um, companies can put with their proprietary data sets so that they could detect when their data has been used in ways that either, you know, maybe go against contractual agreements or is like resold and, and different things are done with it. So what they note is that occasionally, you know, data being collected um, and sold by a first party ends up being sold back to that first party, you know, it makes its way through the market and ultimately ends up being you know, resold to its originating party. What's interesting here is like my, you know, in my last role at Digital Envoy, we experienced this all the time, just being able to see that data is repackaged and resold or it's bidstream data or it's not, you know, collected maybe in an ethical manner. And so like we had a lot of insight into that. Um, and we always used to say that it's like, you know, it's very incestual, the data business, especially location data, because it gets like you know, passed around and, and sometimes it's hard to have clarity on, on who has provided what or where that data originated, especially when you can have uh, multiple SDKs in the same phone and different apps, right? Collecting data at different points in time. So companies can add this, you know, the synthetic, uh, can add the synthetic events or data points to data sets. So it'll help them protect themselves from buying previously acquired data. Uh, it's kind of like a digital watermark, if you want to think of it that way. So the companies can detect, I like that wording, you know, a digital watermark, it makes sense. So, you know, the data is, is uh, original that's being purchased and really just enables like the data brokers to protect themselves from con also the contract breaches. So think about things about, uh, you know, we've seen all, all of this news where, you know, maybe data was sold from one broker to another and then ends up being used for something maybe that it was not originally purposed for or that it was supposed to be prohibited from, uh, whether that's like government use or, um, you know, just unethical uses for targeting. So I think that this is a really smart move. I like this idea. I think that it's important that that the data is protected and that it is used in ethical ways and ways that are contractually, um, you know, in line with what the agreements have been. So um, yeah, I think this is good. I don't know, you know, I'm interested to hear more like how they're going to think about, is this just for them or will they be licensing out this, you know, this digital watermark to other companies and, and other data providers to be able to use as well. But I think this is a great idea. So um, 
great job, Brian and team. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, congrats uh, to Brian and uh, uh, and everyone there. In fact, I, I had a uh, call yesterday with uh, with Dan and and Laura as well. Uh, so congrats, guys. This is this is a uh, a big announcement, I believe, uh, in our industry. Um, uh, and to all the points Aubriana already made, I, I think it, you know for me that idea of a digital watermark, that idea of of truth and authenticity in in the data that we are all working with uh, as an industry, I think is incredibly important because there has been a lot of misuse. There has been a lot of fake data, a lot of, you know, just bad data out there. And I think, you know, just having a way to kind of verify and have some truth uh, in that. Um, and I think in terms of what you pointed out to that contractual sort of obligation of, you know, I, you know, I'm licensing this data for this use, but we all know there's players out there who you know, then relicense or resell or do something that, you know, they shouldn't be doing with the data uh, under the, co the contract that's there. And just sort of having that fingerprint, that, that data trail to kind of go along with it, I think is really important. Um, so I love the idea of this sort of synthetic data point that kind of follows, you know, follows the, you know, it, it's the cookie, right? In the data though, right? Like that, that we're looking for. So uh, I think it's super interesting and, uh, you know, I would like to see them license this to the other brokers, the other players out there, um, because I think it's important that the industry at large um, has access to this type of control uh, and this type of sort of transparency and visibility in, into what's happening with the data. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a big move. I think it's a it's a it's a solid patent and announcement. And, uh, you know, I hope that we you know, this can be a stepping stone for, for the rest of the industry. So. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, final story. So we'll shift shift over to Apple now. Um, not like a true location story, but caught my eye nonetheless that uh, there was a, a patent uh, awarded to Apple. It's patent uh, application number 202 uh, for those who are into patent tracking. Um, sorry, not awarded, patent filed uh, just recently by Apple. Um, uh, in fact, on March the 11th. And it's for a device that's fitted um, with a series of electromagnetic sensors. So uh, in sort of the description and the, the articles I've seen about it, think of it like a, uh, a ring that you wear on your, on, you know, on a finger. Um, and uh, it's basically got all these sort of sensors built into it. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so it's a smart ring essentially is kind of what they're, what they're going for. And obviously there's other smart rings out there. You know, the one that, you know, we've kind of seen before is the Aura ring, the O-U-R-A uh, ring. Uh, and I think there's a few others out there. Apple's also tried to file other similar type of patents in the past. But what seems to be different about this one is um, it, it's, it's, it's a ring, or in some cases they, they, in the patent application, they've got sort of multiple rings kind of all linked together. Um, and uh, they're, they're kind of positioning this to sort of integrate with gesture-based movement tracking technology. So this isn't just a ring like, like Apple's filed patents before with a, with a sort of a ring that had like a bit of a screen on it that was kind of like a, a mini Apple Watch type of interface type of thing. This isn't that. This is about, you know, movements and controls and gesture uh, type of uh, engagement. Um, and so they describe it as something that uh, 
a ring that would be able to sense its position in space relative to other devices, like an iPad or an Apple Pencil, which is something else that they're working on right now. So, you know, think about you're writing something or you're translating something and the ring can move or, or swipe or, you know, you know, do, uh, do those motions for you um, and kind of detect, you know, the sort of, sort of that, uh, that action. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting because, you know, we all know Apple's working also on a virtual VR headset, you know, similar to what Facebook's, you know, been doing for some time now. And, uh, if you think about the idea of I'm wearing a VR headset and I've got a ring on my hand that's you know controlling you know moving things around in terms of what I'm seeing just by hand gestures, right? I think that combination you know to me has a lot of power and a lot of you know possibility uh, in it, right? In terms of, of kind of where you can go with that, right? Because I think VR on its own is you know sort of embedded in that sort of headset goggle type of framework. I think, you know, has some limitations, but if you can layer in gesture on top of that and movement to control things, I think that becomes a really powerful combination. Um, and, you know, something that's simple, you know, maybe, you know, if you can make it look good too, and it's, it's, it's something you can wear all the time and, and like just as a ring, but it also has, you know, these sensors that can do other things and control, you know, or integrate, you know, seamlessly to your phone or your Apple watch or your whatever else. Um, I think that that's kind of interesting. So any thoughts from you? Yeah, you know, the one thing that's actually interesting to me is I feel like during this, you know, the past year or so of, of virtual working, something that we always have said, like on the teams that I've been on is like, gosh, I wish we could just like whiteboard this. And sure, there's plenty of, you know, there's plenty of offerings from like, you know, whiteboarding on, on your computer, but there's something to be said about just like the ease of use about just like having a giant board and being able to kind of, you know, just write seamlessly. So I was thinking about how great it would be to use this and, you know, from like a boardroom setting or just meeting setting, you know, and collaboration, uh, being able to have like, you know, your, your glasses on as well as just being able to like write on a virtual whiteboard and you're there with all your colleagues and you can see each other and you can see what one another is writing and kind of like just be able to map things out really simply, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and be able to just capture that data and save it in, in a common workspace, I think would be great, but I'm sure there's tons of other applications for that as well. But um, yeah, I find it, I, you know, I find it interesting. I'm trying to think of like more use cases beyond just, you know, general healthy, um, you know, but I'm sure that they've got a bunch up their sleeve. <laughs> it's Apple. Yeah, they were, they were saying in the patent application, they showed, uh, like in, in one of the sort of figures or illustrations in the patent, uh, an integration to an Apple pencil. So if you, let's say you're holding this pencil and you've got the ring on that hand and you're kind of drawing or, or, you know, you know, writing stuff or whatever, and having that automatically, you know, sort of digitally transmit that data, you know, to an iPad or, you know, something like, you know, to your, your, you know, your, your laptop or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that's super interesting too. So. Yep. I like it. <laughs> I like it. We'll see. We, we'll be there soon. I'm sure, uh, you know, knowing Apple. So. So that's it. That's our uh, our show for this week. Four stories, a couple of patents, some money in there uh, for SafeGraph and uh, a wide array of stuff. So uh, thank you for listening and watching, everybody. Uh, you've been listening to episode number 509 
of Location Weekly. Of course, we'll be back next week with another show. If you have story ideas, reach out to us. Uh, you know, give us some some love uh, on social media or, or whichever platform you're consuming this on. And uh, thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.